listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast, episode 258, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. He is Monterey Jack, dang it. Welcome to the Animation Addicts Podcast with the Rotoscopers, the number one place to get your animation fix with animation addicts just like you. Each episode, we dive into the wonderful world of animation featuring Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, and everything in between. From hilarious discussions and movie reviews to interviews with industry insiders, this show's mission is to brighten your day through our love of animation. So hop on your nerdy couch, grab some snacks, and get ready to hang out with your animation besties because it's time to dive into today's episode. Hey there, animation addicts. I'm your host, Morgan Stradling. And I'm Chelsea Robson. Chelsea, rapid fire question for you right here. You had to pick one, mm-hmm. Chip or Dale? Hmm. I think most of the people are going to go with Dale because he's the more fun. He's the more, you know, wears the Hawaiian shirt. Who doesn't love a great Hawaiian shirt? <laughs> and I think I'm going to go with that. Okay. Can you tell the difference between Chip and Dale? Well, Chip is as clear as the nose on their face. I just remember seeing this video that tells you the difference. And Chip has the chocolate chip nose. Okay, the way that I remember it is Chip, that, that's a little easier, Chip, Chip, chocolate chip nose. <laughs> um, he has the black nose, which is as black as coal. Coal starts with C, Chip starts with C. But Yeah, mine's easier. Chocolate chip is easier. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I will be doing that now. <laughs> Well, you, t- you took a long way to get there. It works. Okay. It, it does. <laughs> uh, so in case you don't know, this is going to be a really fun episode. We are reviewing. It's partly animated. It is the 2022 Disney Plus movie Chippendale Rescue Rangers. So don't go away. We have a great discussion coming right after this. Slipping through the cracks, but these two gum shoes are picking up the slack. There's no case too big, no case too small. When you need help, just call So, this movie, I kept hearing about it. The patrons were talking about it. My brother texted me. Out of nowhere. I mean, well, I mean, we talk randomly, but he texted me just to tell me it's really good with an exclamation point. So we're here. So I get the screeners for the Disney Plus series and movies and everything. And so I usually have the ability to watch them uh, one to two weeks beforehand. And because of some snafus that I've had in the past, I really, really have to watch those dates because unlike some movies where you can just like, okay, yeah, you can watch this up until the movie's released. Disney is really weird with theirs. It's like, no, you can only watch them on these two dates, even though the movie doesn't come out in a month. I'm like, oh, okay. So anyways, this one came out and I was actually like, you know what? Normally I'm not really wanting to watch all these new movies because there's usually so many coming out. I was like, you know what, Chelsea? Let's do this. And I proposed it to her and it didn't end up working out. We didn't have time. But then the reviews came in and the people spoke. Chelsea's brother had spoken. <laughs> And here we Randy are. tells you it's really good. <laughs> that's all, I'm like, all right. And so since Chelsea had seen it, you know, that's one less movie she has to watch for the podcast. And so 
she, she <laughs> exactly. bounced that back it is my, my way. turn yes exactly normally i'm the one who's like hey i had to watch this with the kids we're doing it now <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up doing this one and it was i was very very surprised so there's so much to talk about in this movie but before we do let's talk about the general information you know the drill from box office mojo imdb wikipedia bonus materials wherever they are found okay so the studio there's quite there's a few studios it's Walt Disney Pictures, you know, in North America, Paramount Cartoons internationally, and a studio called Mandeville Films, could be called Mondeville Films, I don't know, but it was a co-production between basically Walt Disney Pictures and this studio called Mondeville Films, that's what I'm going to call it, I'm going with it, and so I was looking at this, I'm (laughs) like, okay, let's look at this, you know, is this a newcomer, has it been around? Really, this is a studio that has been around since 1995. Okay. The era of the Disney afternoon. And they really partner with Disney and Disney brands like Touchstone Pictures, Walt Disney Pictures to make some of these, you know, movies that are going out. So in the 90s, they had movies like Mr. Wrong was the very first one. I'm like, oh, man, I've never seen that movie. I just (laughs) I've seen the cover and it has Ellen in it. It's just like, oh, Good times. <laughs> <Mr. Ron>. Yes. <laughs> this is before she came out. It was just like, oh, oh man, if they would have waited a few years, it's probably wouldn't have gotten made. So jo- I mean, that's probably why she did it. <laughs> she, if you're looking at it at the reality of it, like, yeah, this I can deal with this. I can yep. do this. Like, this is totally wrong. This is this is not working for me. <laughs> so the uh one that I more relate to. George of the Jungle, because that was a yes. really, really big movie in the yes. 90s and 97. And I'll Be Home for Christmas, which is the Jonathan uh-huh. Taylor Thomas Christmas movie. Uh, they've done a whole bunch of other ones. Uh, they ended up, you know, doing uh, Shaggy Dog for Disney, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. In 2010s, they worked on The Muppets, Muppets Most Wanted. Uh, they've done other stuff. They're not like an exclusive Disney only. You know, they did the Divergent series, Warm Bodies, 21 mm-hmm. and Over, Beauty and the Beast, surprisingly. Live action. The live action Beauty and the Beast. It seems like this is kind of like a B or a C studio when it comes to the type of yeah. movies that they're making. They're not making like the big, big, big budget. And I don't mean that like offensively. It's just typically it's like, hey, we have $25 million for this movie. So yeah, yeah, we're going to, no, you know, this is a great, the budget they know here. what to do. They're really good at it. You know, so the fact that they, they did Beauty and the Beast was surprising to me. And then... 2022 their most recent is chippendale rescue rangers they have a few in the works hunchback which we know is going to be hunchback remake uh, another one called shrunk and a few other other ones with universal so pretty interesting little studio i'm like i never do about you but now i know a little bit more and um, i like mm-hmm. it the director was akiva schaefer the release date was may 20th 2022 and budget Around $70 million. So Disney actually isn't really skimping, scrimping yeah. <laughs> on the budgets for some of these. It's even though they know, hey, these ones are going direct to Disney Plus, they still put a lot of money into it. The ma- talk, looking at interviews with the director, the majority of the budget was on the animation. And mm-hmm. obviously, box office, we don't know because it went direct to Disney Plus. $70 million. Yeah. That's a lot. Animation's costly. I know. That's just crazy. You think about somebody going out there and saying, we're going to put a hundred million dollars into something. And that seems like a huge amount. And then you look at, okay, they spent 70 million on one movie. It's just like, yeah, it's not that much. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I understand the business model, yeah. but it's still, I don't know. I'm like, you could have made it back. 
But could you? So that was my question that I was thinking. I'm like, if this went to theaters a month ago, yeah, would this have done well? I mean, Top Gun would have been out around the same time, you know, so it's hitting a totally different demographic, not trying to compete with the Top Gun audience. I mean, uh-huh. would this have done $100 million in its first weekend? You know, Probably not. I don't know if they would have. I oh, Here's the thing. I think it would have done a lot better than Lightyear. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know what yeah. this would have done. But based on how many people I heard tell me this was good, I feel like it would have gotten more than what you would think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just interesting to think about. I think it would have actually played pretty well. I think the millennials would have been taking, would have been going and seeing it. They would have been taking their kids, whether mm-hmm. or not you had grown up in the 90s as a young child, you know, five to 10 to 15 years old. I don't think that would have been a prerequisite to enjoying this film. I think they still would have enjoyed it and it probably would have had a lot, you know, as we're seeing, you know, people wanting to go back and rewatch the original series. So just interesting to think about like what, what would have been, you know, I don't think this would have been a home run, although it does have really great reviews. Critically, people are loving it. It's about 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. And so the critics are loving it. The people are loving it. And it's just funny. It's, it's really meta. And yes, (laughs) And it, and it deals a lot in things that are really more current. And so it doesn't have to be somebody who is a mm-hmm. you know millennial type person. So like my I have nieces and nephews, my oldest nephew is 22. And like I was talking to my one who's in his teens and he was talking was this the about. One, was the 22 year old the one who totally dissed you? <laughs> no, the, the Shrek, he's only 20. <laughs> No, I think he's 21 now, but, um, <laughs> the one a couple of years lower than him, he was like 16 or something. And he was talking about, he was like, Oh, you know, when they were talking about the, the ugly Sonic or whatever, I'm like, yeah, like you have things that happened over the last couple of years that they really th- went heavy into mm-hmm. like even my like 10 year old nephew, he had gone back and started watching the old television show because of watching the new one. So I feel like this would have done a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It played enough on everybody else's side that, and especially for the younger generations, when they go back and they see these things and you, they see the talk online, they see other people talking about, oh, you know, that cartoon, oh, oh, that, that reference, this Easter egg, this thing. Mm-hmm. And they kind of have this like desire to want to figure it out. And it becomes this like this search, you know? Yeah. This hunt for this information. What am I missing? This movie was loaded with Easter eggs, overwhelmingly so. Like I tried to find a a list, you know, there was a YouTube video that said all 300 references. And I'm like, well, (laughs) can we, can we get this in a list form? I don't have time to watch the YouTube (laughs) video, but it's just, everything was packing a punch. And they really, I think I read that they, as far as cameos and they didn't want it just to be a cameo just for the sake of having a cameo. It either had to progress the plot or just have a really funny gag. Yeah. And they didn't and want it to just that. be the Disney show, which I appreciated yeah. and I really liked. Yeah. There are other properties here. Like you talk about Ugly Sonic. That is so self-referential and funny. Yes. And just in the moment and smart. I I thought Ugly Sonic was one of the best parts of the film. That was because really it was, over the top amazing. And I just loved that they were able, you know, when they finally got the rights for Sonic and have him in here. They went with Ugly <laughs> They went to the studio that obviously did the animation for Sonic. And since they were the one that did it, they had the, the files. 
for uh-huh. the the character the and the rigging. So they were like, well, I guess I guess all of our hard years of work didn't go to to waste, you all know. Right. So I just thought that was really funny. I just oh, it was, it was just so unexpected, but I loved it. And you really had to. That was something that was so in the weeds. Yeah, of people had to be online and love Sonic and know about that to understand that reference but even if i like i was more i would say on the peripheral of that mm-hmm. little discussion i remember when it came mm-hmm. out and i remember also being a 90s kid being like yo that's weird uh-huh. <laughs> but to know that it was like such an uproar online right and now just within a couple of years be like yep this is what we got like you're a star you you are just a throwaway background character which it totally yeah. could have been it would have been totally funny yeah. but they keep going back to that well and it's funny every <laughs> single time <laughs> yes it is so one thing that i think this movie does does pretty well and is interesting and makes it different is the play between chip and dale so you know they talk about it's kind of almost documentary style at the beginning talking about how they got started and the show so if you hadn't been a 90s kid it's okay because we're going to get yeah. you up to speed on what the heck this was. And, you know, then the falling out that happens. And then we jump forward into the future. Chip is insurance agent and Dale is still kind of living this C D list actor life going to the cons, which again, that is, that's also very <laughs> self-referential, you know, about certain actors. Yeah. And, you know, if you're in a series that's super popular or just has this cult following, I mean, you got to cash out on that and go do these appearances, yeah. but plastic surgery the cgi surgery thing <laughs> was was so great oh my gosh and yes it just makes it different because it, it really goes to show like we know how the industry has gone it's all yeah. cgi now and so you're are you gonna adapt and you're gonna keep getting gigs or are you not and so he's gonna go through this surgery to do this and he's very much kind of like an alvin and the chipmunk style i personally preferred uh-huh. chips look versus dale I didn't love Dale's CGI look at all, but I don't know if you noticed this, but would you say that Chip is 2D? Well, I mean, as far as like, was he actually animated on cells and put on there? I don't think so. I don't think that's, yeah, I mean, they definitely use like cap type stuff. Yeah, so Um, it's, it's pretty subtle. And I tried to look up, you know, how it was done, the making of, and I couldn't find anything talking about it. Like they'll call, they're calling it 2D, but I'm pretty sure this is not 2D. I'm pretty sure what's happening here is is um, he's a 3D model. Because if you look at the mm-hmm. way he moves, he's moving kind of like the CGI character. And they are they're, the way that they're coloring him is kind of the cell shading thing. Mm-hmm. So in the Zelda series, there's a game called Wind Waker where they do this and they, they've done that. Now it's like pretty common in video games. So it gives it this 2D effect, but it's just so much easier to control because it's still a 3D character, CGI character behind the scenes that you can just move and animate. And you're yeah. just putting this kind of like 2D filter over it. So the shadows, there really are no shadows, right? There's no 3D-ness to it. I'm pretty sure that's how it is. If you go back and you watch it and you see how he moves, it's, it's just not 2D. So yeah. if, if you if you were involved in this production, uh, send us a voicemail. Help me confirm or <laughs> deny, deny this. Say, hey, no, Morgan, you're totally wrong. I spent hours <laughs> doing this on 2D. Oh, if you did that, that we would love you. Yeah. We Let would us know. Be like, but yes. this is my hypothesis as an animation addict. That's pretty sure. And I'm pretty sure majority, a lot of the main characters, so like Peter Pan or 
a lot of the main characters that were 2D, I feel were done this way. There's certain ones that weren't for, I, for example, I think the My Little Pony cameo, they just run across the screen, but they actually went back to the studio that does hmm. the My Little Pony animation and just had them animate that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like for certain segments there, there's a variety of animation techniques that are used. I'm just putting it that way. Yeah. So, yeah. There we go. That's my long rant of, I see you animation. <laughs> I appreciate all of the, I mean, the fact that they go into all of these different studios and just say like piecemeal it out, mm-hmm. but it works so well. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. Yeah. That's if you watch even an Avengers movie or a Marvel movie and you stick around for the credits and you get to the animation section, it just never ends. Yeah. It's like this studio, this studio, this studio, this studio, yes. this studio. And it makes sense because they have a timetable where they have, if we had one studio producing this, I mean, we think about the the time that it takes to produce yeah. an animated film with just Pixar or Disney animation. It's years yeah. and they don't have yeah. time for that. Like we got to get this just out, the manpower. you know, two or yeah. three years, you know, between sequels. And so they just say like, this is your scene. Boom. You got it. This is your scene. Boom. You got it. And they just, the power of the studios makes it happen. Yeah. I love it. So what were your thoughts on the character voices on here? Oh my gosh, I hated it. So <laughs> it was frustrating because in the, and I had to go back, I went back on Disney plus and I pulled up the pilot. Cause I was like, am I imagining things wrong? I'm pretty sure they had typical Chippendale voices, which is like the high pitch yeah. squeaky. Yeah. And they do. And it was, yes. um, Chip was originally voiced by Tress McNeil, who mm-hmm. she is legendary voice actress. She actually does the voice of Gidget. And so as soon as, as Gidget started talking, I was like, yes, there she is. Um, <laughs> she's the voice of Chip and Corey Burton. I think that's who it is. He was the voice of uh, Dale in the original. They make a cameo as high pitch Chip and high pitch Dale. Yeah. They brought them back for those particular things. Anyways. And it was literally like five lines. Yes. And I didn't like it because literally everyone else, well, except for like Peter Pan, but had the same voices as in the original show. Well, Jim Cummings did not do Monterey Jack. That was like, what happened? He didn't? No. No. According to IMDb, this is the first Disney production since 1988 where Monterey Jack is voiced by someone other than Peter Cullen or Jim Cummings. Peter Cullen. Yes. And so this one had Monterey Jack as Eric Bana. And no offense to Eric. I'm sure he's a great guy it was just really hard for me because i'm like i know jim cummings voice and i know that jim cummings did monterey jack and jim cummings reprised his role in several other characters oh yeah you hear him all over the place yeah so it's like so why i mean did they just think that it was going to be too much of him in one movie but like it was weird he was fat cat yes the main bad guy so it's like right he was around right very simply, very easy. Like that's his role. Did they not want to pay him for a, like this role or that role? Yeah. Or I don't understand. Like, what is the deal? But he was like, he's Monterey Jack. What are you doing? I, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's interesting because so much attention, like if you go to the Wikipedia for this, which we'll include in the show notes, they spent a giant massive section detailing every single person who voiced every little character yeah. So, I mean, there were a lot of voice actors, you know, that yeah. were, were brought back. They were original. They were this. They were that. Right. So the really kind of bizarre. I, I feel like that had to have either. I can't say scheduling because, again, he was there. It had to be some sort of license. I 
not even licensing. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because he came back, he replies the role for Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, Heat, and is shown in a bootleg parody Mm -hmm, (laughs) and did Darkwing mm -hmm. Duck, who does his brief little cameo Mm -hmm. at the end. Yeah. So it was like, it's not like you like you didn't have him. Yeah. He was there. And it was just weird. And we love him. I know. For a Jim's coming fan like myself, I was disappointed that they didn't have him as Monterey Jack yeah. because I can tell when it's him. We know. I know. He's so iconic. I love him so much. You can't unhear it when you know who he is. And it's like, no, that is him. Yep. That is 100% him. Ah, uh, well, I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry, man, that they hurt you like as that. As far as like <laughs> Andy Samberg and John Maloney, I feel like they did fine. I agree that I would have liked it to have been the original. It just would have been the entire fun that time. Way. Like I didn't need them to be serious characters in real life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Cause no one else was. And maybe, and I get it. It's, they were so, their voices could potentially be so obnoxious that yeah. you don't want to listen to that the whole time. But the That's chipmunks have like they were a million movies. Okay. People are okay with high pitched right. voices. It reminds me of when we went to the test screening for Wreck-It Ralph. And at the very end, they were asking, like, did you find that the princess's voice was too grating? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, no, we're fine. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> like, we really don't want to recast her. <laughs> uh, wow. I really liked the opening part mm-hmm. when they jump in at the castle. Mm-hmm. And I was like, from that beginning part, you really feel like, okay, this is something very different. This is this is going to be interesting if they're going to be redoing the castle bit. But also, it's cool because it makes sense later on when you realize mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is a bootleg version. <laughs> and so they have, like, all the different parts from the different castles in there. So I looked it up. And so you have parts zapped in from Elsa's castle from Frozen, Prince Eric's castle from The Little Mermaid, the Sultan's Palace from Aladdin, and intro the retro castle from The Incredibles. Mm. So the comparisons with Roger Rabbit must be had. Must. And it definitely pays homage homage to Roger Rabbit. It's in the same family as Roger Rabbit. You know, with the cameos and the characters and this and the live action and the the 2D characters living in the real world, like working together. And that, that's really what they wanted to do. The script went through, you know, a few different versions. And that was one thing that they wanted is that it kind of to pay homage and, and be like a modern day version of that. Do you think yeah. they succeeded? I definitely got the vibe. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was what they were trying to do. And yeah, I would say that they succeeded in that because mm-hmm. they were doing this in L.A. The same vibe, as you said, you know, from the 40s of all these older characters and walking around with the trolley car and then over here, it's everyone's doing their own thing and going into the valley, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the valley, like the the uncanny valley. <laughs> oh, the uncanny valley. That was another very self-referential. <laughs> like, yes. You have to be in the know, but even if you're not in the new, no, you know, like people yeah. just the, the guy with his eyes that weren't looking in the right direction <laughs> and, and just like he's there, but he's totally off. That is the Uncanny Valley. And I just thought that was yes. so funny. And that just they turned it into a very significant plot point. Bob the Warrior Viking, uh, played by Seth Rogen. Nice. 
And then later on, you have all of the Seth Rogen characters just kind of like show up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just kind of like, oh, gosh. Well, the other part is it's in L.A. and they call different a specific area of L.A. as the Valley. Yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. so it's a very L.A. joke. Yes. So to add the uncanny valley, mm-hmm. we're in the valley, mm-hmm. the uncanny valley. <laughs> the humor on this was spot on. It was really good. Yes. I was laughing. I thought it was great. It kept surprising me all along the way. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised as I went through. And it's kind of sad that we're surprised when something's good. <laughs> but it's the thing is, really good art and really good jokes are hard to do. And so just by saying, eh, that was that was dumb. You know, it's like everybody's going to have a flop. So, you know, you you just kind of you take what you can get. But then when you get like the really great golden pieces of creation that you're just like yes please continue give me more take mm-hmm, my money mm-hmm. how did you feel about sweet pete oh sweet pete well they kept referencing him at the beginning and so you really don't understand like who is this sweet pete mm-hmm. gonna be and honestly i thought it was going to be pete from goofy from goofy uh-huh. movie and so i was 100 ex- expecting that and i think that they were wanting you to expect that and so when it turns out that Pete is actually Peter Pan grown up and having never <laughs> been able to get a job after that, and that he is the one doing all of the bootleg videos. Yeah. Oh, gosh. When they started bringing up the bootleg videos, it made me laugh so hard because it reminded me some of your you did a couple of YouTube videos that were just so amazing about different. <laughs> oh, Disney knockoffs. Yes. Yes. Because they're such a thing and they're so weird, but the cover <laughs> art for everything is mm-hmm. just so off. And they got and... it so spot on. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so they, they really did a good job with that. Even that, like, the main premise that he was doing is he was taking these characters and, and morphing them and distorting them so that way they could go off seas, in theory, to make bootleg <laughs> movies was just... It was like, oh, wow, they're not getting other characters. Like, they are stealing the characters. It was just so funny. It was just like, how did you come up with this? This is total fan fiction. But it works. Yeah, (laughs) it works so, so well. Oh, so good. So do you know a little bit about the actual character who played Peter Pan? Yes. Yes. And there is a bit of drama about Bobby Mm -hmm. Driscoll. He was the voice of Peter Pan. And, you know, he was this child star, child actor, and then just really kind of struggled in his 20s and then ended up dying of a drug overdose when he was about 31. And so, yes, you know, people were saying, oh, it was in bad taste to choose Peter Pan as, you know, this like washed up child actor or child star because of what happened to Bobby Driscoll. And I get that, but you can't you have to separate the actor from the character. I mean, do you, though? I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. I mean, well, clearly not because we are really up in arms about Jim Cummings. I... <laughs> he is. <laughs> he is Monterey Jack, dang it. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's so funny. Um, for anybody who, yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, a little, a couple more details that I got on IMDb were saying that he grew up and he was a live action actor as well. But then he got acne scars all over his entire face and Disney fired him, Ugh. not just fired him, but he showed up to work one day and was barred from entering the property. Oh, how pathetic. Yes. 
And then he ended up, yeah, overdosing and dying in an abandoned building, which is just like, oh, gosh, so tragic. Right. So, yeah, I can definitely see why people are like, why why you got to play him like that, Disney? Like, you, you're the one that killed him, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's your fault. And now you're, like, making money off of his death once again. Like, that's just really in bad taste. Mm-hmm. But it's like, were they really thinking that? Or was this just based on the fact that it was Peter Pan and... He, Peter Pan becoming the villain is what they did in Once Upon a Time. Oh, yes. Peter Pan was the villain. That was crazy. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> There's all eight. Hey, if you're listening to this, prepare to be spoiled. It's just the way. Oh, how do I feel about that? I, I mean, I only learned about it after the fact, and I liked the movie enough as it was to not really care. Is that heartless of me? Probably. But it just is what it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you had the main characters of this were Chip and Dale, obviously. Uh, but then you also had Sweet Pete, and he was voiced by... I thought Will Arnett was a great choice mm-hmm. for the villain. Mm-hmm. Will Arnett just has a great villain voice. Good on you. And then you had Kiki Lane as Ellie, mm-hmm. and she was the live-action, I'm-gonna-help-you detective. Yeah. So basically pay, playing the detective role from Roger Rabbit. Yep. Okay, through the entire t- time, I thought... And they did it also a good job of, like making her look like she was going to be the bad guy. Right. Which is predictable, right? Like we've, we've come yeah. to expect at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I was like, okay, well. But the, then I asked myself the question, do I want her to be the bad guy? <laughs> like, there's a point because we expect the the friend, you know, the closest person, and they open up all these doors of like, oh, how does she know about that? She shouldn't know about that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you kind of want to be on chip's side as he's digging up this stuff like but then it's like okay yeah i guess you're just a good person <laughs> yeah <laughs> like i i mean all right i guess you are just a good person dang it i thought it was smart i thought it was i was catching on <laughs> and then they got it's you. just like you just get it that the 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 bad guy is still the bad guy okay oh there you go <laughs> what were your thoughts on zipper and gadget you know my thoughts chelsea I thought that was weird. Hey, it was you so know my thoughts. I don't weird. like it. I don't <laughs> like when these different species come together. This is the dragon donkey effect. And I don't yes. like it at all. Okay. It weirds me out. It creeps me out. Okay. Lady and tramp. That works. Even though they're different breeds of dogs. They're dogs. Right. They're still a dog. It, ugh, I don't. It's gross. Okay. Stop it. It's not funny. They only do it so they can create these weird hybrids. And yeah. I'm like, I, I shouldn't have to think about how they reproduce and why they're doing this. <laughs> the fact that they have reproduced. Stop it. <laughs> I shouldn't have to think about this because it will inevitably happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that you are basically comic book guy incarnate every time this happens. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You're from two different worlds. <laughs> and we've wasted our lives (laughs) but i really appreciated that they were there i mean obviously they're going to be there but it was kind of weird that their only part was just kind of like auxiliary Mm -hmm. at the end i really liked her and i really would have liked to have more of her and they did try i mean it mostly was the chippendale story and at the very beginning like not these guys. And they show the Chippendale like oh, cast photo the at the dancer. beginning. I'm like, oh yeah, they're they're really leading into this, eh? Yeah, yeah. 
And then Monterey Jack, he's captured. You know, we meet him very quickly. And then, you know, for a long time, you know, Gadget isn't around. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, it's just a big missed opportunity because she was such a cool female character. I really liked her. And they just kind of, you know, she's doing her own thing. And she just kind of appears at the end with Zipper. And it was like, "Eh, okay, fine. But I wish there would have been a better way to get the gang together. But again, it would have perhaps been too much because they were really focusing on the story and the conflict with Chip and Dale. Yeah. So I loved how, and we've talked a little bit about this already, but I'd like to dig in a little bit more. Dig um, away. Just how they've, how they mine created all gold. of these. <laughs> mine, mine, mine. I really liked how they created all these different locations and every location was its own joke. You know, the fact that they're at FanCon, is like a, yeah. a convention yeah. is funny. You have this wrong side of the tracks situation, uh-huh. the main street. Oh, we're going to main street. Mm-hmm, oh, and mm-hmm. it's like them actually the, the, if they only put it on like this for tur- tourists and everything else is like super seedy. Yeah. <laughs> and then you had like, one of my favorite characters was the, the guy selling cheese. Yes. <laughs> and he's a Muppet. Yes. The Muppet. It's the Swedish chef. And he's actually talking like like the Swedish yes, chef for yes, a little bit. Yes. Like there's just so many plays in this that just work so so well. And I loved that the valley, the uncanny valley mm-hmm. uh, with the Polar Express eyes. Yeah. So all of these the were just Express eyes. Yes. <laughs> oh, instantly so when they bad. said that, you know, yes. you know precisely what they're talking about. That's yes. one of the reasons that movie is not so great because it is uncanny valley, and it's like I don't like a few parts of this movie, but I don't like looking at you just like Beowulf. Yeah. It just, yeah. It's a no. Yes. Yes. I also liked when Peter Pan grows up that he's counting his steps. <laughs> it's just like, Oh yes. And then the Coca-Cola bear is his hired muscle. Like, it's just or when they do the jinx so and they do jinx and they're like unspecified knockoff cola drink. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh goodness. Everything was so smartly done. Mm-hmm. It was so good. Uh, they had Flula. He's a YouTube personality at a time. And then he got really big, at, or at least he got well more well-known in the broader perspective when Pitch Perfect came out. Mm-hmm. Pitch Perfect 2, he's in it. So Flula, he was the snake. and That rap was horrible. It was... Oh, the it... rapping. The <laughs> rapping. <laughs> and that was another self, self-referential thing. It's like, why do it... Yeah. These characters, why do they need to start rapping? Yes. And then inevitably they start rapping. But the worst, it's like a whale. Dude. And I'm like, oh, it's so bad, but this is literally the point. And it's it's good, but it's bad. Yeah, the rapping part. And when he even at the very beginning when he led that started that joke, it was like, Yes, yes, they're rapping. Yes, why? yes, you get it. <laughs> they led up to all of these jokes really well, very smartly, as I said. They play each one just to kind of open it up and to bring it in a little bit more. And so when the funny hits, it hits hard. And mm-hmm. it's just like, I was laughing mm-hmm. through the whole thing. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting that. Well, the another thing that I think is done well, which could be overwhelming, were the cameos. The cameos don't really stop. Yeah. They go to a new yeah, location yeah. and there's a whole bunch of other, I want to call them tunes, you know? Yeah, yeah. That are there. And they just work. You know, it's not like, hey, oh, yeah, we got our funnies. We got our kicks and giggles at the beginning. And then now we're done. Now we're going to get a little serious. Let's get dangerous. Right. They just keep doing it, you know, and so they really hit this home and it, it really worked quite well. I did feel that the movie was a little long 
I was starting yeah. to get a little bored. Uh, I felt like they maybe could have trimmed about 10 minutes, 10, maybe 15, but 10 for sure. I was just kind of like, yeah, need a little leaner. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I'm not sure what that would cut out, though, mm-hmm. because there weren't enough string together moments that I was like, that wasn't funny, you know? Right. Each one of them was funny enough that I like I would have been sad not seeing that like the extended edition mm-hmm, mm-hmm. would have been funny. So here's a couple IMDb trivia moments that I missed. But then later on when I saw this, I was like, oh, yes, that was amazing. <laughs> was that there was a sign for a sign that shows Dobby the house elf became a model for Gucci <laughs> after Harry Potter rap. That's great. I was like, that's amazing. Uh, and then the other one that I saw was... Uh, a Les Mis reference. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> the Lego, Lego Miserable. <laughs> <laughs> on the film. I was like, oh, that's amazing. So, they're, I mean, they're just really, really good ones. So one thing that I didn't know was that, so the Double O Dale thing is what kicks this off. He's trying to do his own his own show. And that really gets him mad. I mean, the, can we just talk about that? Like, that is something yeah. very real that happens with actors. You know, you're part of a series, you're part of a franchise, you're part of a group Uh or a duo. And one of them just decides, I'm too cool for school. I'm ready to go off on my own. It's the Justin Timberlake. you, Justin Timberlake. Yes, just exactly. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) Unspecified cola. (laughs) It's the Justin Timberlake in sync thing where we all know Justin Timberlake was it. He he was the most popular one. He was you know one of the main singers right because he was the lead singer not like the bass you know which not saying you can't have your own solo career but and he goes off and does his own thing and leaves leaves the other members of NSYNC in the dust yeah I mean the same thing happened with uh the Jonas Brothers Joe Jonas yes they were like yo why you gotta play us and you are forever all those other members of the band are forever beholden to that one person coming back you know Justin Timberlake has never return to NSYNC. He doesn't do reunions. He doesn't do 20th anniversary things. Like he has put that behind him, which yeah, how rude I say. (laughs) It's like, come on. This is the thing that got you your start other than Mickey Mouse Club. But like really the the main thing, can you just like throw a dog a bone? And then you see what Backstreet Boys is doing. This is total tangent time. But Backstreet Boys, I mean, they they never really had a Justin Timberlake moment where one right. person went and, you know, became a star. They I just think sort none of, of them were. No, it just sort of ended in a way. Um, and they just kind of they come back and they do these tours and like all these millennial, you know, moms and, and friends of mine all went and saw Backstreet Boys last week. And it was yeah, a, yeah. a completely sold out show. There is still lots of money to be made from your prime. Anyways, that's my (laughs) tangent. But this is totally the Justin Timberlake thing that Dale is doing. And I get it. (laughs) Justin will put on his own shows and he can do arenas still. Oh, yeah. The last show he went to in Phoenix, he was at an arena and it wasn't totally full. But I really think that if they did an in-seat comeback, they would have they would do stadium. A hundred percent. They could definitely do a stadium. I'd be there floor i would i'd be right there yes (laughs) yeah so let's put it out there anyway so going back to that so he's doing a show called double o dale and this is kind of a spin back in the early 90s they were disney was developing a show called double o duck and it got 
<laughs> it got scrapped when it was discovered that the title Double O is owned by the estate of Ian Fleming, who uh, who was the author of the James Bond novels. So they're like, ah. crap, we can't name it that. But hey, how about instead we just call it Darkwing Duck? So they did. So Double O Duck was no more and Darkwing Duck became a thing, which is much better of a name. I think, I, yeah, because I think it's just so. it, and I like, it's it's more original. It is more original. It's its own thing. It's not trying to piggyback off of yes. something else, yep. another person's property. Which I have to say is something that I really am annoyed with in current situations. Tell me, in current entertainment, okay, there's the <laughs> the pitch meeting guy. He, there's one <laughs> video where he's like, he's like, yeah, that's really the only way we make money is by bringing back old favorites. You know? And he's talking about it was either his Lightyear one or it was his um, Jurassic, the Jurassic Park one. Yeah. And I think it was the Jurassic Park one where he's like the producer guy is like, no, seriously, how do we make money? We're running out of these iconic characters. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what to do next. And I was like, yes, they try to go in and they try to like rehash old characters which it just kind of does a disservice to the actual character and its legacy and its story Mm -hmm, arc. mm -hmm. And it just really bothers me. And it's one of the main reasons why I haven't seen Lightyear just because it was like, they did Buzz so dirty. Oh, they did him so (sighs) dirty. Mm -hmm. So over the series, you start to like, just, I have no respect for this character arc anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'm just kind of done. So I'm sorry. But I'm not sorry. I don't want to watch it because <laughs> Toy Story 4 already ruined it for me. Uh, don't get me started on Toy Story 4. It's it's <laughs> over Toy Story. And yeah, it's yeah. over. So this is one of those hard things. And so when you're looking at a movie like this, where it does go back and rehash old things, there's ways to do it that aren't. I mean, this was after like 30 years. Right. Picking up this old character as opposed to, hey, Remember this character that we have been, you know, beating to a, a bludgeon over the last 30 years, like over the yes. course of 30 yes. years? Like there's a very different like scenario. Yes. So I I can get behind the Chippendale, you know, going back and bringing back those old characters versus the um, this is just our cash cow that we have really milked to the end. And it's done. Which Chippendale also are iconic ancillary members of Mickey and Friends. Right. Yeah. They're not the main five, but they're like, you know, if you take one circle beyond that, they're probably, you know, that level of characters. They probably fit with the Clarabelle cow, the horse, horse collar, (laughs) you know, exactly. you're not going to see them, you know, they're they're higher than Clarabelle cow, but they're definitely. Yes. Yes. She's in a wing behind. (laughs) She's like C and D level. (laughs) That's our next nerdy couch discussion ranking (laughs) Mickey and friends tier list. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh, it worked because these characters weren't only from that you know they've yes they've been they have a few things here and there that they're doing they have a series on disney plus called park life it's a new you know quick five minute little animated shorts with chip and dale and and they haven't been overused and even mickey miraculously has is iconic where he can do basically anything they want with mickey and we won't get tired of him for some reason that mouse has has power so all right. Is there any last things that you'd like to talk about? I wish we could just talk about every single pop culture reference and animation reference and cameo. There's just too many. There's so much. Yeah. Ugh, you just, I just want to watch it again and just keep my eyes peeled. Yeah, but for sure. Ugly Sonic really unexpectedly takes the cake. He really does. And I feel like that was probably the most iconic part of this movie. 
is the fact that they played on that internet thing so well and did it at a con. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, yes. <laughs> you know who the people that are watching this, you know this, this world. And you embrace it for what it is and who they are. And they, the fact that Dale is just so... The cons are fun. Come on. <laughs> yeah. They're just all working the booth. There was one moment where Chip and Dale were underneath a, a table and so you see someone's boots and we didn't know what characters they were, but immediately I knew that those were He-Man's boots. <laughs> like, oh, here, there's He-Man. Excellent. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, here, here's the other thing. I actually really do con uh, like going to conventions like they are fun because <laughs> yeah. you have you have a level of of people there that will not take themselves seriously and i love i love that like and and i'm not saying that in a bad way i'm saying it like i am not going to go in and look down on this because i am here this is who i am and i embrace this like yeah. i love this yeah i am embracing something i love and i'm watching to see other people's creativity and throwbacks for myself and like, oh, yeah, like I see random like Anastasia dresses uh, and I'm mm -hmm. like, I want one. <laughs> so, yes, this is I, I'm I just love the mix. It, it it meant so much more that it wasn't just Disney. Yeah, that they're able to do the Roger Rabbit, the Wreck-It Ralph thing where they're bringing in these other properties. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, that's a lot of work. You got to get yeah. a lot of lawyers involved, a lot of studios and, and pay or maybe not. Yeah. Who knows? But maybe that's where most of the, the budget came from, like not even just the animation, because they probably could have done the animation for like 35 million. I don't know. I'm not a pricing animation expert, but I believe well, it. I, mean, I believe it. There wasn't that much. I mean, okay, well. there was, but there was, <laughs> <laughs> but also being able, just paying for the rights to use those, like everybody wants their cut. Did so. you, it's just funny to watch this film and then to take a step back and just look at the scenes and be like, they had to film this. Someone had to sit and film the ca the camera panning as Chip and Dale are walking across this table. Or <laughs> like, okay. very interesting, very fun. It'd be very interesting on set. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Chip is talking to Dale. This is a big, huge moment. There's a lot of tension here. We got to get this right. All right, we're done in one take. Okay, okay great. <laughs> I just need a background. Okay, so what would you rate this film? You know, I'm not exactly sure if I'm going to rate this because if I if I rate this you're, on an enjoyment level, no, I, <laughs> I I don't know how I would rate this uh -huh. because if I rate it just on my own personal enjoyment, I would say at least four stars. Yeah, we'll just go with that. Four stars. Okay. I'm going to give it three and a half stars. I really enjoyed this film. I thought it was surprising. You know, I feel like I don't know. Sometimes these remakes or reboots, they're just not good. And, and I have a, a weird bias with going direct to Disney Plus. I really <laughs> need to get over. I just don't right. like it. Like, give me give me time to shine. I want, yeah. I want all this hard work to get a bigger audience, you know, um, especially yeah. after Pixar, Pixar had been shafted for so many years. And, you know, right. But nonetheless. So it was just really surprising. It was really funny. I was laughing the whole time. It was clever. The writing was great. The script was great. I really liked seeing Chip and Dale, these characters. I liked that they were so different, you know, going back to these characters. I, I never realized, I mean, I really haven't really gone back to watch Rescue Rangers. And I didn't realize that Dale was the goofy one uh, and Chip was more of the serious one. It's hard when they have high-pitched squeaky voices. But yeah, <laughs> right. even, even in the series, that was the thing. And I just felt like each of these characters were 
distinct. They had their own issues that they were working through and, and there were lots of layers to them. It was just so funny, but I did feel like it was a tad bit too long. So it wasn't the most amazing film in the world, but it, in the moment, very enjoyable three and a half. Awesome. All right. We'd love to hear what you guys think about this movie. Please go to rotoscopers.com slash 258 to give us all of your details. Actually, we did have a bunch of the the patrons came in and actually Sol Carlos was the original poster on this one. And she was one of the ones that was like, hey, guys, we need to talk. Like, literally, she says, <laughs> we need to talk about this film. Three exclamation points. What was your favorite cameo? Without any spoilers, uh, she says her favorite moment was the uncanny valley. <laughs> and then we had a couple people. Rachel Wagner, she says, I think the ugly character, she was good. And at not oh, saying the, no spoilers. the spoiler. Yeah. The ugly character was my favorite and so surprising. Yes. And also... Soul was like, yeah, and the fact that he was just a really important character too was fun. Mm -hmm. uh, Jonathan North, who we met, you everybody met shout recently. Out. Shout out! He says, "I finally watched this, and I have to agree. The reveal of the valley was the uncanny valley was a hilarious, and the cats also hilarious cameo. I thought that was a really hilarious. The cameo cats, too. yes, yes, that was awesome. <laughs> so funny." <laughs> He did end up saying as well, I ended up liking it a lot more than I thought. I really had reservations about the treatment of the Peter Pan character, given how similar it was to the story of Bobby Driscoll. But as long as it wasn't intentional, I guess I can let it go. As an uncomfortable coincidence, the backstory made total sense for a villain in this universe. Mm -hmm. Jack Song, mm -hmm. he says, somehow this world makes more sense than Pixar's cars. <laughs> <laughs> this movie was wild and i had a blast my favorite was randy from south park and i never <laughs> thought i would see that happen in a disney flick <laughs> for sure yeah the fact that disney wasn't able to take itself too seriously like oh we no we cannot have south park right, mingling exactly. with our precious characters <laughs> right and then you have uh kurt jensen he says sora's hair from kingdom hearts <laughs> <laughs> so there's so many great things about this movie if we'd love to hear what your favorite cameos were so go to rotoscopers.com slash 258 to let us know all right that's all that we have for this episode until next time we are the rotoscopers So I want to add a little thing. Okay. You were talking about Tadstones. You're like, put a pin in it, Tadstones. Oh, we'll I mentioned this in our previous episode. So Tadstones is the creator and director of the Chippendale Rescue Rangers TV series. You know, he was very instrumental in these initial pitch meetings and pitched a variety of shows. But he's also done a bunch of other stuff, you know, directing, most notably, The Return of Jafar. <laughs> and right. he we just have a, Chelsea has a really funny story with interacting with him. He said he would totally be up for an interview talking about Return of Jafar and everything involved in that. No, talking about the Disney afternoon. Oh, talking about okay. But we have one big giant stipulation, which is we must never review <laughs> the, the Return um, of Jafar. The Return of Jafar. <laughs> which I'm like, can't make me do that. At some point, I'm going to want to, even though we totally <laughs> skipped over it and pretend that it hasn't, it doesn't exist. So uh, yeah, we totally ah, do. I don't know. Yeah, you no. let us know, listener. Do we just screw it and 
But at the same time, I really want to talk to him. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I'm like, oh. Yeah, I that I was thinking about that when you first mentioned his name earlier. I was like, oh, dang it. I still, <laughs> I need, the thing is, like, with the interviews, it's just hard uh, because I have to do, uh, there's a lot of planning. So and a lot You've of, got to do a like, good job. You, you can't screw that up. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the lessons that I learned over the last 10 years. If you're going to do an interview, you can't mess it up. You only get one one chance for a first date. So that's kind of one of those things like, ah, don't, don't make them hate me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, so the Chippendale rescue agers movie, he was not involved, although he did say on Twitter that he saw it and he really enjoyed it. So he gave it, he gave it a mad props. So, Oh, good. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Shout out to Tad. And so it got me thinking, do you think when you're doing a reboot or a remake or a you know, Broadway do you include the original director, screenwriters? What's your thoughts on that? Because you think of Anastasia and the Anastasia Broadway. Mm-hmm. Don right. Bluth was not involved. Didn't no. even get a ticket of like, hey, come see us <laughs> on opening night. Right. Just like, no, nope, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're no, you're dead to us. Which makes I me kind of sad. It does make me sad. And I think definitely you should at least get a screener <laughs> for these things. If you were the as like a hey, person. thanks for kicking this off and. We'll take yeah. it from here. <laughs> I, I don't know if these directors would want to go to it because they have, it's kind of like you're tearing apart my baby, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're, if that would be something that I would enjoy. Um, but I definitely understand why they don't involve them in the creation of a quote unquote reboot because they're trying to go at it at a different way. And if somebody has already worked on it in, in one way, it's hard to switch it mm-hmm. to like, yeah. Okay. And now for something completely different. Um, so I, I get that. But if you're going to do something like a a continuation or a spinoff, I don't know. I feel like in something like this, actually going back to them and asking for maybe, you know, little gags that were missed, you know, or something inside that info. like inside info, because yeah. like, this one was definitely more of a of a reliving the those moments had, you know, had some of that. I'm revisiting that t- time of my life. So they could have brought him in and even just had him as a cameo somewhere, yeah. which would have been cool. But I don't know. Yeah, that would be that. Add that to the list of questions we need to ask Tad. Yes. Oh, Tad. Oh, Tad. Shout out. You've been listening to the Animation Addicts podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and be sure to leave us a five-star review. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to help spread the word, be sure to share the podcast with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag us at Rotoscopers on Instagram and use the hashtag Animation Addicts. For all the links and full show notes for this episode, go to rotoscopers.com slash podcast. Now, if you still can't get enough for your animation fix, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube and visit rotoscopers.com for more animation news, reviews, and 